good evening, guys. Thanks for coming out. I'm always amazed whenever I see people here, whenever David and I are asked to do anything, because I'm like, wow, you guys actually love us, which is so sweet. Um, it's always a privilege to get to minister the gospel, but when the pastors who know you, like Pastor Jonathan or um, Pastor Brian and Miss Sheila, ask us to do something for our home church, it's even more of a privilege and honor. So thank you for having uh, me here tonight, Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan. I appreciate it. We love you. Um, well, some of you I don't know, and some of you I do, so I'll share a little bit about me. My name's Shelby Nillette. I have um, a really sexy, bald husband over there that has a beard. Um, I love him. We've been married for going on seven years going on seven years. I'm really bad with dates, guys. I'm going to hear about this later. <laughs> um, I know that's normally like reversed, right? But I'm really bad with dates. Um, so we've been married going on seven years. We have three beautiful kids. I brought a picture of them. I don't know if I can show that. Sorry, Taylor's over here doing other stuff and I'm asking for a picture. Um, we adopted our three kids and, and that's a beautiful story, a testimony in and of itself. But God brought us out of a really hard season and blessed us with these three beautiful children who we love from their pinky toes all the way up to their their messy, sticky heads. They're wonderful. Uh, we have a ministry called By Grace International. We really feel like the Lord's called us to travel and minister as a family, and we're privileged to do that and partner with our home church the majority of the time, which is just a real honor. We love Pastor Brian and Sheila and Jonathan. It's It chokes me up because this is a real family to us, and we we love you guys. We love the support that you give us all the time. Let's open up in prayer, if you would bow your head. Father God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Lord, we come together before you, and we yield our hearts to you. I thank you, Lord, that whatever it is that you would have me say tonight, that it would not only bear fruit in um, in this season, Lord, but in seasons to come, that the would all on the seeds of this message um, for later times, Lord, when they need it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I don't normally share things that I'm in the middle of or um, that I'm in the middle of going through, but the Lord really impressed upon my heart tonight to share with you a project that I've been working on for the past year, and it's a book that I've been writing, and it's called Boundless Potential. And the definition of boundless is limitless, without limit, unlimited, and then potential is having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something. Thank you. Having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. And that boundless potential, we see that in Jeremiah 29, 11, one of our favorite verses in the Christian world. If you've been in church at all, you've probably heard Jeremiah 29, 11, and you'll see it on your graduation cards or any season transition in life. And that's where I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in your future. That is God's ultimate ultimate overarching plan for our life, right? That we would dwell with him and have this awesome future. But how do we get to that point when sometimes we're so caught up in the struggles or trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life, right? How do we get to this point where it's, I, he has the plans and 
it's this future, right? It's in the future. How do we obtain that? I want to share a story with you. Um, I have a picture of me and my dad, um, Brian Sanders. That's my dad. And whenever I was 14 years old, um, he took me skiing for the first time. This wasn't my first time. I got all my cool clothes on there. I look real hip. I told David, David, do I look cool tonight? Why well, fit in with the, with the cool kids? Because he showed me this meme or something that side parts aren't in anymore and skinny jeans. And I'm all self-conscious coming to church tonight because I have skinny jeans and I have a side part or something. And I got to go to Alley, get my part fixed because apparently I'm not in style anymore. I don't know. Anyways, I guess this is just part of getting old, that and waking up in the, in the morning and like having a crick in your neck, but I digress. So this is my dad. Um, this is in Leeds, South Dakota. This is where he grew up. Um, I lived there for a little while while I was um, doing Bible college. And uh, um, Leeds, South Dakota is beautiful. It's famous for the Black Hills. Um, you might only know Mount Rushmore from there, but and that's fun too. Um, but the hills... Uh, they, they're called the Black Hills because they're just so heavily wooded and the trees are so dark. Um, I have a picture of the ski slope, Taylor. Um, it's the one with the trees. Oh yeah, there's our beautiful family. See, we love doing that. So this isn't a great picture because this is just a family picture. But let me, of course, this is one I bring to show you, right? Um, the hills are just so beautiful. Um, and that's why it's called the Black Hills. Now you know something you probably didn't even care to know. But on that slope is the first slope uh, that I ever went down. And my dad is a person that's like, let's get up and let's go and let's get to the slope. So I'm 14 years old. I'm really excited because this is something my dad grew up doing his whole childhood. I'd always wanted to ski and I always wanted to snowboard because it really looks cool, right? And you get to have the whole cute outfit, which is fun if you're a girl. Um, and so we get to the ski slope, right? And we get to the boot counter. We, we get all the gear and we, you rent your skis and you get them on. And if, if you've ever worn ski boots, there's no giving them. You can't move your ankles or anything. They're tight. You kind of like stand like this. And then you like walk like this because you can't bend your feet and you look ridiculous. So I got these tight boots on and I'm like, dad, these boots are, these boots are tight. And he says, yeah, they're supposed to be tight. Um, they got to do that. Otherwise you'll break your ankle or whatever. I'm like, okay, they're supposed to be tight. And my dad, again, he's the type of person that's like, get up and let's go. So we get outside. I look like a newborn giraffe. I'm going all around and he's holding me up. Right. And, uh, he's like, okay, we're going up the mountain. My friends, when I first was learning how to ski, they took me onto the chairlift. We went up the mountain. And by the time we got down, I knew how to ski. It's like, all right, I'm going to go up this mountain. By the time I get down, I'm going to know how to ski. Cool me, right? <laughs> well, we get onto the chairlift. We get going up the mountain. And that's that chairlift. We, I don't know what was on there a second ago. You saw it. Um, we get up that mountain. That's part of the way up. It's a long way up. It's probably... It's not that big of a mountain, but it's probably like a five-minute ride up, 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 up. We're getting higher up there, right? And then I realize, how do I get off this thing? I asked my dad, I'm like, Dad, how do I get off? We're similar in a lot of ways. Me and my dad, we don't normally have a lot of words. We don't really, you know, I tell David, I don't tell David, I'm going to the store, and I'm like, I got to get this or that or the other, and then I'm going to go to Home Goods. I just tell David, bye. And like, that's, that's just how I communicate. That's how my dad communicates. So my dad says, you just stand up right? So I said, all right, good enough for me. Get up to the top of this ski slope, right? I stand up. 
I swear, I'm on like a YouTube fail video somewhere because I am like, like out and the chairlift, they come up and go right back around, you know, down to pick up more people. Um, So it's like this, you know, and so here comes the chair, boom, like hits me in the back of the head. I'm like sprawled out there. The lift is stopping. I hear the laughter from people that are so much more experienced than me coming up behind. And there I am. And the, the ski operator, lift person there has to help pick me up and my dad. And, you know, I'm baby giraffing and all that. And it was embarrassing, guys. My boots are still so freaking tight. I'm starting to not able, be able to feel my feet, okay? They're that tight. I couldn't, I, it was really bad. But I am like determined, okay? Like I am gonna enjoy skiing. My dad said, by the time I get down this mountain, I'm gonna know how to do this. And if I just endure a little bit longer, I'm gonna get it, right? So I'm, you know, going around trying to pizza and then skiing backwards and not like the cool kind of skiing backwards, like the skiing backwards and falling and your ski goes down the mountain without you, that kind of skiing backwards. Pathetic. Get to the point where I'm in such pain because these boots are probably two sizes too small. I don't know. Um that I I turn to my dad and I say, dad, I can't do this. My feet, I can't feel my feet. He's like, well, why can't you feel your feet? I said, well, you told me the boots need to be tight. They're tight. He's like, not that tight. I mean, they're supposed to be snug, Shelby. You're not supposed to like have to amputate your foot after this. I'm like, well, I didn't know. And he's like, okay, well, let's go get you some new boots. And so he says, now just, I'm going to stand behind you. And he stands behind me. He puts his skis on the outside of me. And then my my little skis, you know, are on the inside of his. And he's like, now he's looking down at me and I'm looking back at him. He's like, you got two two things. Don't cross your skis. You'll make us fall. Okay, don't cross your skis. Don't cross your skis. He says, second thing, don't touch my skis. You'll make us fall. I was like, okay, don't cross my skis. Don't touch his skis. I can't feel my feet. And then we'll get down, right? Super fun. My dad's a really excellent excellent skier, so he like zips us down the mountain. I fulfilled my two duties of not touching his skis and not crossing mine. Champion, right? Got down to the bottom, didn't know how to ski. Um, And we got the right boots on, and we had a really great rest of the day. I finally learned how to ski. It took several times down the mountain. And why we didn't start on like the little bunny slope with the little conveyor belt with all the other little kids, I don't know. But we had to go to the very top and work our way down. It was, it was hard, guys. It was really hard, but it was really fun. And now I know how to ski and snowboard. So I'm really cool, right? I can do both. Um, but I want to share... Uh, Four points from that story. You know, I think, oh, that's a really cute story. But the Lord really taught me a lot from that. The first thing, and I'm going to stick really closely to my notes here because I want to honor the time here tonight and get you guys out before this weather gets bad. So the first lesson that I learned from that is that we are not enough. We have done this so much that we don't even realize it anymore. We so often follow our Father God until we feel pain. And once we get into that tight situation, we stop looking to him. We start trying to figure it out on our own. 
We think if I'm strong enough or if I'm just tough enough or if I'm just brave enough, I can still keep on track with the plan that God has for my life. Or I can still just, I can do it, right? But the first lesson from this ski story, and I tell this little simple cute story, right, so that you can remember this, is that you are not enough. That you are not enough. We like to quote in in our uh, faith circle here, or if you're in church, that I can do all things through Christ, right? Or nothing's impossible with God. But for some reason, we stick on that part of the I can do all things. But we can't do all things unless it is through Christ. That scripture is completely void of power in your life if you don't stick with the through Christ part. We have to stick with him. So I want you to remember that you were not enough, but Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are so capable of success, but not of ourselves, only with Christ. We can't avoid mistakes, but when we feel the pressure, we must look to him where our help comes from, lay aside our pride. I had to tell my dad, it's not working, right? And then he was able to help me with our mess. And our father wants to do the same thing, our heavenly father. Point two from the story. Despite mistakes, you're an overcomer. My dad asked me, why didn't you tell me they were tight? We could have fixed it right away. I mean, he's almost peeved with me, right? Like, why are you in misery over this? I could have, we could have fixed this right away. The heart of the father is always to help you in every situation. That's the heart of your father, God. He didn't get angry when he found out that I was in a tight spot. He simply asked why I didn't he seek him for help sooner. God doesn't expect perfection. In fact, he knows that you are incapable of it. And in our filtered life where we only see, you know, snippets of people's lives or, or we strive for this Instagram lifestyle. David and I just watched an interesting um, documentary on HBO that was about Instagram and how it's affected our lives. But I found myself in the same situation comparing me to these other moms who like, you know, are making these lunches in these like Beto boxes. And then I'm on Amazon trying to buy one of these little boxes because... You know, I send like a whole hot dog and a tube of ketchup for the kids. Like, like have fun. Like, I don't, what else, what are you supposed to do? But they have it like cut into stars and like homemade peanut butter Uncrustables. And I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, we're out of the frozen Uncrustables. I can't throw one in the lunchbox. What am I going to do? I have to make a sandwich? You know, and, and we feel like a failure because we have to keep up with this, with this image of perfection. And in the Garden of Eden, when Eve ate of that fruit and then Adam partaked of that fruit, and we had the falling away of mankind and sin entered this world, God immediately had devised this plan of Jesus to come in and save us from all of this mess. That's the gospel. That's why we're here tonight is because of Jesus. That despite our imperfections, he came and became perfect for us so that we might abide in him so that we don't have to continue to strive for this perfection. There have been times in my life where I have fallen short. 
where I haven't met the part, the part of a good wife, where David's needed a support system and I've been the critic. You know, he's done the same to me. We all have shortcomings in our life. We all make mistakes, but your failure or your mistake isn't tied to your identity because your identity is in who Christ is and who you are through him and not through your current situation or through what your current um, shortcoming might be. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's okay to fall down. It's okay to make a mistake because he's already planned the solution. The key to overcoming a mistake, big or small, is to run to him right away. He will show you how to fix it and how to never do it again. I never got boots that were too small again, ever. That was miserable, right? God wants to always set you up for success. He wants that Jeremiah 29, 11 life for you. He wants to set you up for success, but we have to first turn to him to where our strength comes from. So first, first point there is that we aren't enough. Second point is despite mistakes, you are an overcomer. Now Satan will try and shame you over your mistakes. He wants to isolate you and convince you of your failures, right? I remember when David and I were, you know, going through the season before we adopted our three beautiful kids and doctors couldn't figure out why we couldn't get pregnant. They couldn't see that there was a problem on either side. It, it just wasn't happening, right? And as a woman, especially, you know, like in society right now where you see all this stuff, you can easily begin to let that shame and all of that self-doubt come on you, right? Because you're seeing all these beautiful lives in front of you. And I felt like a failure, right? Who can't get pregnant, right? That's what I felt like. I'm just being honest. I felt like a failure. And I felt like a failure in my, not just because of that situation, but I felt like a failure in my marriage. I felt like a failure as a woman, like I'm supposed to be able to keep a house, right? I'm supposed to be able to do these societal feminine things and I'm supposed to be able to do it all by myself. I'm not supposed to need David's help to do dishes, although David does the dishes every night, so I give him a round of applause for that. Um, but I'm supposed to be able to handle it all, right? God never asked me to do that. He asked me to put my trust in him and follow him. So despite Satan's best attempt he will, always, he will always try to isolate you. He will always try to condemn you. He will always try to put shame on you. But despite all of those attempts, God has the solution and has the answer for you. So point three is, all we have to do is ask for help. So when I told my, um, when I fell, my father didn't just leave me there. He was right there to help me up. And he definitely wasn't upset. He knew that I'd be okay and make it, Right? So don't ever let Satan hang around and tell you that a mistake that you've made is the end-all be-all. Don't ever let Instagram tell you that because, you know, you don't look like freaking Kim Kardashian, that you're not good enough or whoever it is that you idolize because 
All of that aside, God has a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. And he wants to show it to you. John 1, 7 says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When we ask God for help, he will come. I don't know why we feel like we can't ask for God for help. But I, I know, I mean, I was a church kid myself and, and I strive to be perfect all the time. And I hated asking for help because it was almost this omission of like, I need help or something, right? Because it is. We need help in this life. Believe it or not, at however old you are, whatever age it is, you could be 12, you could be 18, you could be 30, you could be 40. You will need help in life. You will not have all the answers figured out. The moment you become a parent, you will not have it figured out. It is like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it'll stick. I am winging it every day, trying to just follow God and figure this thing out because you won't have all the answers. So we have to learn to be dependent on seeking him for those answers. And fourth is stick with him no matter what. Abide in him. Never let anything, no matter how big or small, get in the way of your dependence on him. Wherever you find yourself right now, let God wrap his arms around you. You just keep your skis off of his. That's all he's asking you to do. While you're trying to figure out this whole life, while you're trying to figure out where you're going to go after high school or you know what person you're supposed to marry or whatever it is that you're trying to figure out, your only responsibility is to keep your skis off the fathers. If you stay out of his way and don't trip yourself up by falling into condemnation or listening to Satan's lies that you're not enough, that's, that's our part to play is to not listen to that stuff. And we keep our skis straight, then he'll illuminate the path for us and we'll make it down the mountain. I think of it as, you know, the floodlights that turn on. We got some bright lights outside of this church. Our church is protected, right? So I think of those big floodlights that are motion activated. You start walking up to your house and it's like, ding, welcome home, right? And it brightens your little, your walkway up. That's what it's like walking with God. That's what it's like living a life of faith is we walk so far we only see so far. I didn't see at 17 that I would be married to David and that we would have three adopted children and, and that we would be building a house and that COVID would happen. I didn't know all of that. I didn't know that. People say, how do you get from, from where I am now to being successful? This is how you do it. This is how you get to, um, to the success that you, that you want is you keep walking with God and as you keep walking with him, then another light will come on and you'll see a little bit further and you can keep walking or skiing if you'd prefer, you know, or rollerblading or whatever is your fancy skateboarding um, along with the father and the, the path will continue to get clearer. 
and it'll continue to get clearer. You think, well, I'm graduating school, high school this year, and I still don't know what I'm doing. If you seek him, he'll show you. If you ask him for the help, he'll show you. You might think, what if I make the wrong choice? There's grace for that too. The Lord told me, um, Shelby, don't be so afraid of making a mistake that that you never step out in faith. I was so afraid of doing anything that I wouldn't step out in faith. You know that song, Spirit Lead Me Where Oceans Where Trust Is Without Borders? Maybe that's old now too, like side parts. <laughs> Peter, when he was out on that water, his responsibility was to keep his eyes on Jesus. When he got his eyes off Jesus, that's when he began to sink. And that's when we begin to sink in our life too. Anytime that I've been struggling, when I've been dealing with anxiety or Uh, anything is whenever I've taken my focus off of him, off of his plan. So keep walking with him. Keep abiding in him. Isaiah 43.1 says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. You might think, well, it's talking about Israel there. It's not talking about me. It is talking about you. He's saying he bought you with a price. He ransomed you. He bought you. When he hung on the cross, he was thinking of you. He wasn't just thinking of me. He wasn't thinking about the people that were right there. He was thinking about you. You were on his mind. Salvation is for you, for your life. And I don't just need a savior one time. I need a savior every single day. He knows your name. If someone was willing to lay down their life for you, If someone was willing to learn your name and know your name, do you not think that he would care about the things that you care about? It says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or wear because he'll care for these things for you. He cares about your macaroni and cheese. He cares about my kid's hot dog. It's their lonely hot dog and their orange that I threw in their lunchbox. He cares about that. He cares for you. I want to, like I said, that this is all from the book that the Lord's been having me write. And I want to read an excerpt from this book um, and, and just share this with you. And like I said, it's raw. It's not, it's not finished yet. I don't really like doing this type of thing because it makes me feel vulnerable. I like being vulnerable, but this is what the Lord's asked me to do, so I'm going to do it. So just bear with me. Listen to this while I read this. How can I do what God has called me to do when I am not being who he has called me to be? Have you ever watched a comedy where someone is pretending to be something they aren't? It all goes good at first. Maybe it's even fun. But then the lies start coming out and there's this really heartbreaking crash back to reality. Yep, that's what it felt like for me. For years, I had tried to have it all together. But mostly, it was in my own strength. 
My heart was right, just like the characters in the movie. But nevertheless, it wasn't the way it should have been. God's timing isn't like man's. It can be accelerated, but sometimes it just takes time spent with the Lord. As far as, as, far as your calling or what you're supposed to do in life, it takes time to develop. Time spent with him, time seeking his face, knocking and asking questions, and then listening. Here is where if you really devote your time to grow, things will really show up in your life. Walking in the calling is so easy when you're living as who he has called you to be. In the book of Exodus, we see God uses Moses to free the Jewish slaves from the Egyptians. God led his people into the wilderness and the journey from the wilderness to the promised land was only supposed to be 11 days. But instead, it lasted 40 years. It was God's plan for them to be in, it wasn't God's plan for them to be in the wilderness for that long, but he would not move them until they learned to trust him. They needed to be able to trust in him for the next step of the plan. God was going to ask them to face a land of giants and to take that land, but it was going to require faith and trust in his word, faith and trust that they didn't develop for 40 years. This story is devastating because these people wanted to do what he had called them to do, but they didn't want to be who they were called to be. They wanted the promised land, but they didn't want to promise their heart. A young Joshua one day, after scouting the land, told the Israelites, let's take this land. But the people were scared. They only saw the giants. But Joshua had developed who he was called to be. Therefore, he knew what he was called to do. And oftentimes we consider things and think about things that God never asked us to consider or think about. The others who went and looked at the land thought about how big the giants were, about how small they were. And never, God never asked them to consider those things. He just asked them to do what he told them to do. Following God leads to making some tough choices. Choices to who you surround yourself with, to be in the right place, to do the right things, to be honest at the cost of your own hurt. If you say you're going to do something, that you do it, you follow through. Prioritizing growing with the Father over Netflix and chill, laying inside things that he tells you to, and looking in the mirror and seeing the areas you need to develop, then actively doing what you need to do to make that happen. We all screw up. Mistakes happen. Let me tell you right now, it's going to be okay. It doesn't matter how bad or how bleak things look. And Allie, you can go ahead and come up here. In fact, it is in the light of a mistake after a major mistake, when once the dust settles, we see opportunity. Opportunity to build again, to build right, to partner with God once again in the area of our life that has just had a devastating blow. We can make every mistake a win by learning. 
Jesus was the only one that God ever asked to live a blameless life so that we could live in our boundless potential. Let me say that again. Jesus was the only one God asked to live a blameless life so that we could live in boundless potential. Mistakes are often a result of a lack of knowledge. We simply just don't have the foresight to foresee the end, or we don't have enough experience to tell us the choice is poor. Like, I just didn't know that those boots were too tight. They were too small. They caused me pain. And I related snug to tight and didn't realize until it was too late. I wanted to keep going and have fun, but I didn't realize that I would need to step back and fix the problem before I could go forth and enjoy myself. I didn't want to fail or disappoint my dad. I wanted to be brave and keep pushing. I'm probably just not used to it, I said. I, maybe that's why it's hurting. Maybe it doesn't feel right because I'm not good enough. Or maybe I don't think I'm pretty because I'm not pretty. Whatever those things that come up in your head, when they sound like that, it's probably not right. If the boots are too tight, they're probably not right. And God wants to get in the middle of your mess and fix that situation. I stayed in boots that were too small. I said that really Texan like boots. I wanted to stay in boots that were too small for too long. And I have seen this story repeat itself in my life time and time again. And the Lord finally showed me the answer to this lesson that I needed to stop doing that. Stop striving in my own ways of perfection and, and trying to be enough. And, and if I just hold on a little longer, if I just try a little harder, maybe I can, can get myself to the success. Or if I just do this a little bit more, if I'm just a little bit more perfect, then I'll be accepted. And he never asked that of me. Like I said, he already prepared for my imperfections. And I voided the power of God in my life for so many years by trying to do the impossible through myself. When it was always supposed to be through Christ. So I don't know where you're at in your life, there's a wide variety of ages in this room. But I just want to say that God wants to be with you in the mess. He wants to be with you on the high points. He wants to be with you in the valleys. He wants to be with you in the depths of the miry clay. He wants to be with you always. He wants you to abide in Him. He wants you to be hooked up to the vine. He calls himself the vine. You see vineyards out there pruning the vine and taking care, care of the vine. And he wants you to abide in him, to live in him. Your full potential in Christ is not based on your success, but based on your determination to keep running to him for your everything. 
You will only reach boundless potential when you realize the win you have in Jesus. He is the victor that became your victory. He is your strength in your time of need. And he can be your parents' God all you want. But until he becomes your God, you won't see power in your life. He wants to be the king of your heart. He wants to be involved in your daily life. No matter how uninteresting it might seem to you, that's his heart for you. Father God, I thank you for, for those who are tuned in online tonight, for those who will watch this later and every individual here in this room. Lord, whatever it is that they're going through, I thank you that you are ministering unto them their boundless potential in you. That they don't just see themselves as ordinary, but they see themselves as you see them, which is extraordinary. That you wanna do extraordinary things in their lives and through their lives. Not of their own strength of that, or their own strive, but through the price that you paid in sending your son Jesus for us. Anyone that's listening that is dealing with anxiety or depression or even suicidal thoughts, think, thinking that you don't have a purpose, thinking that why, why would anyone care about me? I hear the far, heart of the Father saying, I care about you. I care for you. My heart is for you. Turn those lies off. Don't let the enemy scam you from your potential. I thank you, Lord, for these things. And like I said in my opening prayer, Lord, let this not only bear fruit in this season, but in any season that they need to draw from this, Lord, let it continue to bear fruit in their life. Lord, let it not take them so long to learn the lesson that, that it has just taken me to learn. Lord, but let them learn it now in this season so that they can be prepared for the next season and the next season and the next season. And that Jeremiah 29, 11 life of the hopeful future that you have for them in Jesus name Amen That sounds exciting. So thank you, thank you, Dave. Thank you, guys. They've got a ministry called By Grace International, and I think you guys read, read, write at least once a week. They have a blog, and they trade out who writing, so you can find them on Twitter, By Grace International, and enjoy more of their writings. All right, would you stand with us, ladies? We are so glad to have you tonight. We've got cupcakes back there. There is, tell me if I'm right, chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, and red velvet. No chocolate. Okay, forget the chocolate. <laughs> Sorry. But they're all good, homemade buttercream on there. So ladies, enjoy your night. And if anybody wants either one of these, that one is stuck together. Sheila and I almost lost the Holy Ghost on that one right there. So you have to take the whole thing. 
This one is separated out. So yeah, I've never had pink balloons rock my world. Lift a hand to heaven. Let me bless you as we go out tonight. Father, we thank you that you're moving in our young ladies' lives. We just believe right now that you're causing them to understand the treasure that they are to you. And in turn, God, that they'll make that requirement of people in their life to treat them as princesses that they are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.